Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. And, and we're back again. Despite the best efforts of our enemies. Yes. We have returned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all we got our 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 rising ready. We all got our cool our cool boards mm-hmm. ready to do some real Tony Hawk stuff in this. Yeah. This movie was inspired by Kelly Slater and all the sort of pro surfing that yeah. was going on at the time. Uh, probably some other guys. I mean, the last movie had some subtle foreshadowing when Chris Evans did some snowboarding. Actually, Sure. Yeah. That was a very SSX tricky kind of deal. Um, wow. There's a surfer named Lane Beachley. That feels... Sure. And Kathy Gidget <clears throat> Koner Zuckerman. I think that's you know, sort of a. You know, that's, uh, that's almost as on point as Norin Rad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a uh, Lad Beachley. You said <laughs> Lane. Lane Beachley. Lane Beachley. Lad would be better, but that's still good. Uh, it's it's almost a uh, uh, sort of a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. A la Dune, I think is probably what's sure. happening there. <laughs> the uh, the the surfer Benegazeret. Uh, have planted the way they've paved uh, some sort of prophetic seeds that someone can be a surfer yeah or like how Smokey the Bear ended up having to take care of forest fires because of his name that kind of stuff yeah yeah. he was cursed with knowledge I Megan would Fox, like the <laughs> didn't even love uh, Smokey the Bear movie I have to say <laughs> here for that Um, (laughs) and it's just Stellan Skarsgård going this is my forest (laughs) my prevention yeah the the, floats (laughs) the trailer is is these big sweeping shots of uh the very grim shadowy Washington forest going through mountains yeah Timothy Chalamet is ranger Dopo or whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> and he's like kneeling and looking up all like squinty with his cheekbones. The shadow drapes over him, the landscape. And at the end... Only I can prevent forest fires. Burn! <laughs> 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 and then it's, it's, the, it's the dune font, but it's... Sure. It's smoky. Exactly. Or maybe it's just bare. I don't know. Yeah. We'll workshop it. Uh, we're talking about Silver Surfer uh, in in Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, this week. Yep. <laughs> Transition, Alex. Go. Sure. Are. That's we watched right, this, Tyler. We watched this movie together. We did. So well, we did. We did watch it. Like I'd never seen it before, and I feel like I got it. I, I was able to weave my way through the labyrinth of the story's intricate plotting. <laughs> yeah. So F2, The Fantastic Four, was directed by Tim Story <laughs> from 2007. Uh, let's just go back and watch The Mighty Ducks again. That would make me happy. This has a 37% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 51% audience score, which they're probably both higher than The Mighty Ducks films, which makes me sad. Sure. Um, whatever, this movie is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't even, like, find a word at the end of it. You just sort of dribbled out into onomatopoeia. Yeah, much like this movie. That's <laughs> fair. 
<laughs> well, let me just let me real quick check my check my abs to see what this movie's all about. <laughs> Your exposition abs. Exposition abs. See what's going on. Uh, my my abs read thus. Read Susan, Johnny, and Ben. <laughs> I don't know why that feels weird to me. <laughs> These are our heroes. Reed, Susan, Johnny, and Ben face an intergalactic messenger who has arrived to prepare Earth for its destruction. While the enigmatic being wreaks havoc around the world, the heroic quartet must also contend with the unexpected return of their enemy, Victor Von Doom. He's Can back. I- Took Can Jessica, I propose? Yep, took Jessica Alba's eyebrows, put them right on himself. Sure did. Can I promote? Propose synopsis? That <laughs> is that anything? Yeah, not, we'll workshop it. You know, flexing <laughs> your arm, and there's oh, I, I see what know, you're saying. Sort yeah. of a, a scrolling a, a teleprompter. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um. <clears throat> we are referring <laughs> if understandably you have not seen fantastic four rise of the silver surfer in a, in a while. And you are listening to this podcast regardless. Um, not, not if we, you've never seen the movie, <laughs> if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. We're, we're always, uh, pre- well, you know, <laughs> the American education system being what it is. I assume this is, this is sort of the substitute teacher roll the, the old CRT out on the, the, the stand this uh, this seems like a solid uh seventh grade social studies like fill in yeah because i mean they thing. they go places they they go places they do things we, they, yeah there's there's some old paintings in, in uh-huh. what is allegedly latveria <laughs> <laughs> antarctica and such um <laughs> <laughs> lost. There, there is a, a a part of this movie where the Silver Surfer does uh, show us exposition about Galactus by having his his midsections sort of fade away, and there's a, a magical diagram happening there. It's <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah. it's it's one of those silly. I mean, it's already silly because his exposition abs. But it's also just, it's the opening shot of the movie where we show a planet and Galactus right. is destroying it. And I always just find that really amusing because they do that pretty often in movies where it's just literally whatever we shot, that's just what is being kind of, yeah. it, it's being put in universe as like, this is how our characters are seeing it. And I just think that's really funny because I'm like, well, where'd that camera come from? Yeah, the Silver Surfer. Does he, does he, he have, GoPro. does he, can he do that in the comics? Can he like, I don't know, change his body to show different images and colors and no. stuff? I didn't think, <laughs> what is he, an Aluan? Come on. I mean, the, the board, I think, can change shape. Okay. Which almost would have been more fun if uh, he'd had access to his board at that time and yeah. turned it into a, yeah, like, I don't know, like, like a projector CRT. screen or yeah. something. I think that would be fun. The, the silver it's it's an old timey it's an old timey radio <laughs> yeah, just, it, you hear the five four three two galactus friend or foe <laughs> he's coming to a town near you <laughs> but remember get under your desks and you'll be fine bye galactus bonds 
<laughs> Earth, yeah. planet of industry, science and technology. Big men stretching out their hands, turning into rock guys or very warm guys. <laughs> also, there's a there's a dame in this one. <laughs> the unseeable dame. <laughs> 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 the unseeable dame joins Captain Wonderful <laughs> and the granite. <laughs> anyway, see you at the automat and other stuff from this time. Sure. What what time is that exactly? Uh, Any time before 1957. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Give him hell, Harry. I don't think we're likely to have a ton to get into with this movie uh i i have some thoughts but it is very i mean it's 90 minutes um it does not overstate it's welcome if it ever had one uh it, it just is i don't know yeah i feel like it's a movie that has about four i mean it's very it gives me a lot of x-men the last stand vibes without being quite the same level of total nightmare <laughs> that movie is uh it, it's combining the wedding of sue and reed and it's combining obviously the galactus saga um and dooms in there so it's it's doing a i think there's a later storyline from that original jack kirby stanley run where Doom does steal Silver Surfer's powers, or at least attempts to. Uh, I want to say he succeeds early early on. That's that's a thing, and I think that comes up several times. So they're they're doing that as well. That sort of turns into our third act problem. But then the I guess really it turns into the third act is stopping Doom. So then Doom can give the powers back to Silver Surfers, or Silver Surfer can just go and tell Galactus no. Uh, it's it, it, they end up crossing way too many threads, and you know they've got a limited amount of time to do each one they're obviously not putting a ton of thought or nuance in each one um and it kind of just ends up being a very forgettable thing because they don't commit to a lot of creative creative decisions um sue gets stabbed at the end and then silver surfer says no you're fine no 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 and that's about it <laughs> like, I, I don't know it, as, it, as he's healing her he's like whoever came up with the phrase no takes he's backsies had no idea what they were talking about it's just i don't i don't know the uh, board doesn't even talk so like yeah totally so, inaccurate to the comics yeah everyone knows the board's name is slippy <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> I, I see you're trying to destroy a world. <laughs> <laughs> the, the board is always like, hey, hey, it looks like you're trying to defy a cosmological entity. Would you like some help with that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sylvie, when are we going to get something to eat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Uh, has a, a classic Brooklyn accent. Yeah, just uh, he you know, sees a girl. It's walk such by. an important point, an important part of those stories. Exactly. Yeah, really captures when New York was cool. Yeah. I feel like the the movie, and, and I I know even less about the Silver Surfer than I do about the Fantastic Four. Although I've actually probably, well, are the Fantastic Four in the Infinity Gauntlet book? 
I think they are. I think they they Briefly. probably show up and get murdered. Okay, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, because I know Silver Surfer obviously. <laughs> that or Jim Starlin just forgot about them, but I, I feel like they're <laughs> in there somewhere. People, gross. Here are some crazy faces. <laughs> yes, but I I think that it's a. Uh, the Silver Surfer obviously has. This is one of those movies that has a really big thing on its mind and a big yes. thing on its plate. And it just kind of goes through it all so quickly that we never, we don't really get to see the Silver Surfer like do any of his, like, I don't know. We don't, I feel like we don't get to see him do any cool stuff in a fight, really. Like, we yeah, don't get to really like enjoy this character being in a movie apart from looking at him. Yeah, and he's he's not done poorly, all things considered. I, sure. I think the character is is more or less true to the the comics version, uh, just in terms of personality. Um, he looks pretty good. We were talking about that. The effects are yeah, pretty, pretty well. solid for being a movie that's now fifteen years old ish. Yes, um, more. Uh, all things considered it could be a lot worse it's just he's he's so bland he gets he they they turn his powers into as he goes around there's sort of cataclysms and weird disasters that follow him and we we kind of drop that as the the movie goes on uh and then eventually he, he loses his powers anyway and then he goes up and confronts galactus at the very end so yeah we don't really see a lot of him i was i was mentioning this i think you know the big uh, point of contention with this movie in terms of Galactus is that Galactus, instead of being his glorious giant purple armored, huge helmeted man beast, uh, he is just a giant space cloud. Uh, and that's kind of what the meme has become about this movie. Whenever anybody talks about this movie, that's really what they remember. It's, I mean, it is annoying. I, I want to see them you know, do that. And I hope that the MCU will get there. I'm not necessarily holding it against this movie that they didn't go there, that they didn't, you know, kind of go full stop. I think the bigger problem that presents is not that he doesn't have the right design, but the fact that the original Galactus saga, uh, the kind of three issue arc that him and Silver Surfer show up in is Silver Surfer shows up and then Galactus shows up and they're both on earth kind of, executing the what is necessary in order to have galactus destroy the earth and feed off its energy he's he's there he's i think on top of the baxter building with all his big contraptions and machines and he's draining like setting it up to drain the earth and they're trying to argue with him and fight with him and figure out you know how they're going to stop him uh and so there is more of a the reason that is such an effective story is because it's about basically the fantastic four saying no, we're going to figure out a way to stop you, even though this seems like a completely impossible uh, scenario with no solution. We're we're going to figure out a way to drive him off. Um, and of course that ends with uh, the, with Reed. I think he goes, the watcher helps him find the ultimate nullifier. Uh, either that or he builds it. I don't remember. It's been a minute, um, which would have given this movie so, so much, so much credit in my eyes. If they brought out the ultimate nullifier, uh, that would have been glorious because uh, I want to hear a mid-2000s comic book movie <laughs> that is generally scared of anything that looks like it could have come out of a comic book try to work Ultimate Nullifier into its dialogue and exposition. That would have made me very happy. They did not do that. Instead, Silver Surfer is just like, actually, I can stop Galactus, which 
does not <laughs> really make a whole lot of sense. Um, because sort of the the conflict with between the Silver Surfer and Galactus is that the Surfer believes he can guide Galactus to the path of, of least danger to the rest of the universe, even though he still ends up destroying planets that are, are populated. Um, and by the time he comes to Earth, he's become more dejected and, and kind of accepted the fact that Galactus is a, a necessary force for the universe. And so he doesn't try to resist him as much as usual, but he's still there. There's, he should not, it doesn't really make sense in terms of the relationship they have for him to be able to turn around and stop him. Uh, so that's confusing and kind of makes the whole thing feel pointless in terms of the Galactus angle. So that, that's why to me that whole side of the story falls flat because we have all that happening. And then also the reason Silver Surfer fights him is because he has two single exchange conversations with Sue Storm. Uh, he has a couple of points where she's like, why do you do this? And he's like, well, it's glad. Well, huh. you know, it's good benefits. <laughs> Yeah, I get to work if you can get it. Work from home on Fridays. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) crazy hat day is always fun. (laughs) Business (laughs) casual Tuesdays, uh, etc. I get a pizza party. (laughs) (laughs) If I if I get him to if I if I find four planets for him to eat, uh, then yeah, we we get a we get a big celebration at the end. Yeah, uh, he lets me he lets me have a have a beer for lunch. That's (laughs) kind of fun. Um, well, speaking of the ultimate nullifier, this movie does bring back Dr. Doom. And I was wondering how we feel about his new, his new brand new invention, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) He feels vestigial to this movie, by which I mean extraneous and other multi-syllable words. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. He felt like. I just he really didn't feel like he needed to be in the movie other than maybe McMahon had, had it in his contract to get sure. more than one movie. But again, I think yeah, that's just it, the thing of this movie has big things on its mind. It shouldn't if if it's devoted to a 90-minute runtime and also wants to introduce two very big concept characters, don't bring back the previous guy. Yeah. As like a as like an engine as parts of the engine of the plot. But yeah, it really I, I think the X-Men 3 comparisons are very apt because this movie is trying to cram way too much into a very short runtime. And it's like, no, you have like a big epic story you could tell here. This could be like just this big epic and nobody would expect that from Fantastic Four. Like you can do something. And instead it feels, oddly enough, just kind of more of the same. Yes. Um, But even less so because I feel like the character development that we had in the first one is just like... Like, we don't even have that to kind of hang on, our hat on with this movie because there's just not a whole lot there. Yeah. Well, because they're um, spending the entire time dealing with exposition and dealing with yeah. the new characters and dealing with Doom transforming. It doesn't leave any breathing room. Yeah, I feel like a 90-minute movie like this should not be this plot-heavy. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I find it incredibly frustrating, especially because, like, w- w- in Doom's case... We show his body. He's still trapped inside the armor that he got uh, frozen in um, at the end of the first one. And I guess Silver Surfer flies over Latveria um, where his body is being kept and he kind of just gets reactivated. Um, But like 
You have Doom and Latveria. You finally yeah. did it. And then, oh, he's Julian McMahon again, and he's just, he takes off the armor until he puts on more ridiculous yeah, armor. That, that's the weirdest <laughs> thing about it, is that he he gets cured by, he even before he gets cured, he takes off, he wakes up and he takes off the, the mask, and then he goes around wearing uh, a face mask kind of thing. He's got something wrapped around his face. Um, and then he gets power from Silver Surfer and cures himself. And then, or no, he doesn't even get the power, but he just gets cured at that point of his metal skin, which is fine. And then he's hanging out with the team being annoying and mean <laughs> for yeah. some of the movie. And then and he steals Silver Surfer's powers and then he puts the mask back on. Yeah. But, but it's even more frustrating in terms of why he's in the movie because he he shows up and the uh, the fantastic four are like why are you here and how are you alive yeah and he's like i'm not telling you anything i got better and and the military guys are like yeah we let him in this is a good idea (laughs) and the most he has to offer them is just some footage of the surfer like blasting him (laughs) <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> and it's yeah. like okay i get that but then you ditch him right well they're uh, yeah because i but, so, but apparently they're retconning it so not in the last movie they it didn't seem like victor i know he he says we're both doctors but it never felt like he was a scientist you know it just felt like he was corporate businessman bad guy because that's how the movie writes him and then you get to this one, and he's like, "I'm gonna help you build this thing to separate the surfer from his board." And I'm like, yeah. "I don't, I don't, I don't know if this version of the of Doom can even do that. If he's even capable of that, it's very yeah. strange." And the the way he the way it's done is he he walks up to the big hole that the Silver Surfer makes, and Silver Surfer's like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And that's like he doesn't. There's not really a thing that i can remember that he does to get in that position and you know really make sure he like he doesn't do anything specific to track him i don't think he, i i think he does he's somehow is there a he's radiation got, tracker or something he's got like control of the military satellites or something or he's got access oh, to them yeah. and he's tracking the surfer that's how yeah but that's it's just very like, thin but i think isn't that what reed already made isn't isn't that using reed's technology so it's kind of just He's following along with that, and so he finds... I don't know, it's... You know, these are all important questions, Tyler, <laughs> that a 90-minute movie should be expected to answer. Well, or that a 90-minute movie could not ex- be expected to answer because they made it 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. They fixed the thing's face. Yeah. He's got a unibrow now. I, I did not even realize that after I complained about it last time, but they did they did touch him up so that now he, he I think, is... Uh, his design is is just that little bit better. Mm-hmm. I approve. I I will say overall, I do think the movie looks still decent. Yeah. Um, there's some <laughs> sure. there's some shaky special effects. We can talk about Reed getting deformed in various ways because they go <laughs> even further they overboard get, with that. They get bold. They get bold with that. They get yes. very bold. That's a good way to put it. But, but even um, then, I mean. The- <laughs> 
we'll talk about stuff in the next movie that I think looks worse. Sure. Than maybe any of the effects in here. Um, yeah. all, all things considered. I mean, again, looking at the time since this movie came out, I think it really could look a lot worse. Uh, especially when we're looking at the same general era as Spider-Man three. Um, I feel like there's some weird stuff in X-Men three. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's some mixed effects in X-Men three. I mean, Wol- X-Men origins is two years after. This. Yeah. I was going to say Wolverine origins. That's the big one. Maybe is that this is from a studio that is putting out some really subpar stuff yeah. around this time. Or just it is part of the comic book genre that's putting out some subpar stuff in terms of effects at this time, and yeah. I think it's still it's still is like you can you can watch this and be like, oh yeah, this is kind of just a a, a cheesy uh, dated movie from two thousand seven. It, it's sure. not shocking. Do you guys you think? I'm looking at the Oscars from two thousand and seven, kind of seeing what Fantastic uh-huh. Four wasn't nominated with. So in visual effects, the Oscar went to the Golden Compass. Um, I would say fair, even if it's not a movie I'm crazy about. Pirates. It was nominated with Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End and Transformers. Do we think Fantastic Four should have been in there somewhere? <laughs> maybe, maybe slide Transformers out of there. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Transformers. The problem isn't like the CG or the visual effects. It's mostly how it's shot. Yeah, I, sure. I mean, I, sure, I do sure, think sure, Transformers sure, sure. genuinely should be. Although Davy Jones, maybe at World's End should have won. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing that I really want to point out is makeup. So ma- makeup is an interesting Oscar category because this goes all – it's makeup and hairstyling. This goes all the way from prosthetics to old age makeup to literally just makeup. Yeah. Um, the Oscar that year went to La Vian Rose, the uh, Edith Piaf biopic. Um, but I, I, we talked about how great the things – prosthetics are, the makeup, the suit, whatever you call it in this movie and the previous one, I honestly think it would have been a fitful nomination. If we're going to give freaking suicide squad an Oscar for makeup, I think we can nominate. <laughs> well, I would say between this and silver surfer when he's depowered, yeah, for sure. I, I think you look, I mean, I honestly think that if they didn't want to go with the, we're going to make him look like super reflective. Yeah. Silvery. Like if they just went with that, um, that was fine. prosthetic design. Yeah. I think that would have been fine. Totally. And I love Doug Jones. So like, yeah. I think that would have been a perfectly fitful nomination, but no, we had to go celebrating Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End and Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could, could it was right there. It was right it was right there. Uh, I, I really... like the idea of somebody an Academy voter looking at like two pictures and they're uh, one is of the thing and the other is Eddie Murphy and Norbit and he's like <laughs> Oh, this is a really tough one. Oh boy, literally a rock in a hard place. Oh, gee whiz. Martin well, Scorsese. It's, I was about to say Mark Scorsese. <laughs> well, this is what I signed up for. They're just such great, both such great examples of craft. I just I don't know how I can choose. I'm so glad, you know, I'm so glad neither of these feel like theme park rides. <laughs> That's a good comparison, Marty. Maybe save that for a few years. I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> keep it right back. Yeah, I just there. you know, I don't, I don't really like a lot of the, uh, the superhero movies I've seen. They look a lot like theme park rides, where you know, you you've got classic, classic uh, for the people cinema like Norbit, <laughs> and 
and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, because which is based what? on a theme park ride, but it's not a theme park ride of a movie. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, no, no. You see, because uh, people talk about the way that, you know, they've got three cameras on Optimus Prime, but it's also about where they put that camera, those cameras. You know, the cut, and I believe Michael Bay cut uh, by eye, by using the film, <laughs> would hold it, and I believe that's how... It was really incredible. Um, this is something I talked to Michael Ballhouse about when we were making Hugo. I don't know if Ballhouse <laughs> shot Hugo. Departed. That's what I mean. All the animation in the, in the Departed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but don't but don't say any of that yet, Marty. Observe silence. Yeah. Uh, hey. People don't people don't realize Mark Wahlberg. Uh, we totally ground up real generated he's not in that movie he was always a cartoon he w- he had a conflict he was the bear and ted guys. was the real guy <laughs> ted is real mark Wahlberg's the pretend <laughs> <laughs> digital feature yeah anyway um weirdly i do think fantastic four was honestly robbed i think it would have been a fitful oscar nomination for makeup i will say i really thought you were going towards some sort of joke about sue storm's makeup in this Jessica Alba's makeup in this. Uh, oh which no! I mean, might I, be a detractor. Is, yeah, and I. It, it, it's tricky because I don't want to literally make comments about a person's appearance, which I'm. I'm not. But like the wig is well, noticeable. Her eye, her contact lenses are noticeable. I think it's just it's not so much that she's wearing makeup; it's that the makeup. It's so clear that this is not her natural hair or her natural yeah. eye color. Yeah, and it just feels it's like if you're. If you hire someone who doesn't, who you know doesn't look like Sue as Bitman on the page, maybe just kind of embrace it and just let yeah. her look like she looks and say like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, uh, genuinely, I think, like, costume design wise, again, nothing really due yeah. to Jessica Alba in terms of no. her ability to, I mean, she's fine in this again. I think Yeah, no major concerns about her performance. Um, it's just, they... It, Apparently they had to change up, I think Alex, you were saying this, they had to change up her uh, hairstyle because she was dyeing it for the last one and that was damaging her hair or something to that effect. Yeah. So like, I mean, if, if she just had the wig and it's like, okay, whatever. This is a 90 minute sequel that you're churning out because you realized you could probably make some more money off this franchise before you shelve it for another seven years. Uh, fine, like not a big deal, but it, it just... They 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 do like they do several things. I feel like with her eyes and eyebrows and yeah. the actual makeup on her face that is poorly done from like that side of things, um, which is odd. Yeah, and I know Jessica Alba. She hasn't really looked at these movies very favorably when talking sure. about them, and I think in particular I'm she had flabbergasted. Some <laughs> she had some difficulty with Tim's story. Apparently, he was telling her to act more beautiful or to be more pretty like especially in scenes where she's trying to be emotional and like crying and and stuff and basically he told her to cry pretty um which could be why a lot of her um dialogue delivery kind of falls flat for me at least in both of these films and she just it doesn't feel like she's emoting all that much and it could just be because she's trying to focus too much on like I can't scrunch my face up because because yeah. the director will call me ugly. Yeah, I can't yeah. emote and do I mean, my I, job. I really just feel like it was a overall casting. Her was just not. There was never really going to be a good melding of that. 
Yeah. And, and like, uh, I re- I think with what she was given and what is going on in these movies, I think she does a good a job as I would have expected. Uh, I would say just, serviceable. It's, yeah, it's just, I, I think probably it was a weird decision to begin with to cast her in this. And when you when you know, like, what you're trying to go for, I don't know. It's It's weird. And then they also do, they double down on the, she's going to get naked and get caught yes. in yeah. public. And it's like, did you, you didn't have to do it. And she, she even, like, they, they button it at the end of the scene where she goes, why is this always happening to me? And right. I'm like, I, we, we all know, we all know, Jessica. Yeah, we, we, okay. we, we know. <laughs> yeah, they really, like, she's not full on nude because it's a, a PG or PG movie. PG movie. But they have her like laying naked on the ground. And people um, are taking pictures of her. Yeah. Like that song, lying naked on the floor, whatever that is. Um, yeah, it's it's just gross. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, y'all. Yeah, and I know like, I, I don't know what the difference is, but like, like I, I think of like Bond movies and like obviously the women in that are over-sexualized. Right. To to a pretty significant extent. And maybe it's because Bond is over-sexualized in those as well. Whereas with this, it's like Chris Evans has like one scene where he's shirtless, but it's like yeah, and he's like seems, glistening out of a shower, so it's definitely I mean they, they keep but this, showing this him. seems so heavily focused on Jessica Alba. It comes off as creepy. <laughs> Yeah, right. well, it's because I feel like it's because they keep and there are Bond movies that also come come across as creepy, so I'm not going to let them <laughs> sure. off the hook necessarily. But uh, they they keep having like Chris Evans be shirtless, and it's kind of just like the 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 script and the direction is having him own that. Whereas yeah, right. with Jessica Alba, it's like oh, she keeps being in situations where like things happen or people tell her to take her clothes off and like right she doesn't have the agency and it's not like she's like i don't know enjoying the fact that people find her attractive whereas chris evans that's that's pretty much happening what's happening with him is like oh yeah i don't really care like that yeah yeah, yeah. and the he movie start, he, and he kind of takes that dynamic to takes the power in that dynamic to flirt with the military woman yeah as opposed to Jessica Alba, who, like you said, is being told by other by men to take her clothes off. Yeah. And it's just like, come on. Well, it's also really weird. Her arc in the movie, like she starts off being like, I think I'm ready to retire and get away from the Fantastic Four life just because we're always in the spotlight and everything. But that seems so disconnected from like the moments where like she's naked <laughs> and the public's watching her. Like I, I never... I never felt like everything was connecting mm-hmm. there for me. Like we open the movie and they're just at the airport, just watching the TV. Everyone's just talking to each other, but they're not being like swarmed by reporters or anything. So when she starts talking about like, Oh, I, I, you know, everything's crazy and, and we'll never have a normal life like this. I'm like, well, when the script says you want to have a normal life, like you do, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that, that that felt very superficial and it felt like oh we need to give her something to do um when i think you could have easily made that a very compelling like no this is ridiculous the stuff that she is having to put up with i completely understand why she wants out of this right and then at the end she just magically is like well we saved the world i guess 
So never mind. I'm I'm back in. <laughs> I don't know. None of that really worked for me. And I also um I, I didn't really like her and Reed in this very much as an as a couple, mostly because of the, the bachelor party scene. Yeah. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just one of those deals where like both characters come off as petty and yeah. bad communicators, and it's just like why are you trying to mine what why is this the way you're trying to create a rift in their relationship when it could be about one of them wants to hang up the super suit and the other one doesn't or yeah. you already have so much in the dna of reed being uh uh so distracted by science that he forgets to spend time with her and focus on the wedding not that he isn't interested but because he's so easily distracted that that is enough you have so much to tell a story of a relationship and the tensions and frictions within it without throwing yeah. in this, this petty argument. Yeah. So for people that haven't watched the movie or haven't seen it in a while, right, Tyler, <laughs> yeah. um, Johnny throws Reed a bachelor party and Reed ends up like talking to a bunch of attractive women and then gets on the dance floor with them. And we can talk about the dance scene. We'll put a button in that. Um, but Sue and then the general, um, Andre Brown. go, right. Uh, they go to talk with Reed cause he needs to be made aware of the silver surfer situation. And Sue is like visibly upset that Reed has, is dancing with these attractive women at, at his bachelor party. And it's not like he, he's not like taking, you know, drinking shots with them. He's not making out with a girl in the corner or what, like it's yeah, not, yeah. he pulls them a little close. And, and it is. And, and, and yes. he pulls them a little close with his big, long noodle arms. So it's like he's sure. touching them a lot. But my, uh, my my point is, I don't think he ever crosses a line. He and has sex with one of them. <laughs> oh, that from that. He does. I didn't know there was an extended version of Rise of the Silver oh, Surfer. With, oh. Owen Gr- with Mr. Fantastic, everything's an extended version. I, <laughs> I did just have that thought that they could have sold the movie like the you know you know how they do the like old like college uh oh yeah unrated versions uh, yeah unrated movies and college comedies and stuff like and they call them names like you could call you could do an extended call it the extended (laughs) cut if we're moving on my Uh, point being okay so sue is visibly upset and i i kind of get it but at the same time it's whatever like I, I just think like it's a it's a weird thing for the movie to be focused on. But then after the whole exposition, like here's what the Silver Surfer's doing, can you build this machine for us? Oh, never mind, you have a wedding. Eh. And then he just lies to Sue, which is another thing. Right. They they are then just kind of walking down the street, once again not being hounded by reporters. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's completely arbitrary. <laughs> right. Um, scene to scene. Um Sue goes, Oh, I I know you, Reed. I know you would never do anything that that would cross a line. And I'm like, well, then why were you so upset the scene before? <laughs> like, I don't know. She just seems to flip so quickly. And then she goes, oh, well, trust me, this is nothing compared to my uh, bachelorette party. Talk about wild. And I'm like, well, like, I, is, the, is it supposed to just be like flirty banter? Like I'm ribbing him a little bit? Because like, it's just... I don't know. It, it came off to me as just they're both dislikable people. Yeah, for, for me, it still, goes, it still goes back to, 
I don't get why this is what we're doing as the marital rift between right. Reed and Sue. Also, it's or not the, the rift because after this, right. they uh, it's never talked about again. Yeah, the, the rift for the rest of the movie is Reed keeps doing science stuff. Sue wants to get away from that and actually have time for themselves. And then somewhere along the way, Sue just decides like, ah, actually, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll go along with it. Um, after after I almost die, after I do <laughs> die and have to be revived by uh, a cosmic entity, uh, I've decided this is fine. <laughs> Actually, this is a good lifestyle. Um, Turns out the Silver Surfer wiped her mind of like the last several weeks. <laughs> so that's that's why she's like, yeah, I'm still on the team. What? Yeah, I'd, I'd buy it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it is it is again trying to go for the oh mr fantastic doesn't feel masculine enough or you know is like getting interested in other women like that's a that's a weird way to take the character and there's a lot of built-in ways you can have there be strife and they do some of those things with yeah him lying to sue about you know whether he's actually working on the thing for military and all that stuff like that tracks you know he's working on a on an invention an hour before their wedding like yeah. yeah sure i just got it. I, I get really sick of the tired trope of if you just sat these two people down and had yeah. them talk honestly for five minutes all of this would just yeah. be taken care of it's the same problem i had with the raimi spider-man movies and why i don't like peter and mj in those movies particularly spider-man 3 um which came out the same year yeah. uh it's just like also not nominated for any oscars weird weird yeah <laughs> Not even like film <laughs> editing, yeah, or direction, <laughs> yeah, original or best song. picture, yeah. Well, do you guys think Juno shouldn't have been nominated and Spider Man Three did? <laughs> yeah, I think, think that tracks. I mean, Shrek the Third is right there. Yeah, what? that's probably that's probably a top top. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. well, that was one of the things where they were like, "We need this movie more than Shrek needs the Oscars." Like, right. Now, I, I, that whole bit, I, I don't want to take that. I, I feel like it's kind of like the Julia Roberts looking like Julia Roberts in Ocean's 12, where it's like, we're not supposed to take this that literally or seriously. Sure. Like, this is just yeah. like a bit. The difference being in that movie, it's just a joke. And in this movie, it's it's weird because you're never you're never sure what it is. And since the movie is trying to illustrate a writ, it's just it's just clumsy. And, and it stupid, takes that we're not supposed to, like, really think about it. It takes a good chunk of screen time. Yeah, in a in a movie that is uh, really can't afford to be lackadaisical. Uh, right, in how right. it's approaching things. So. <laughs> we need we need like Swiss watch timing here. We need yes. Nolan to get in there and say no yes. wasted minutes. Well, we need Nolan First to come in Nolan's and be like Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. <laughs> we need we need Nolan to come in and be like, oh, I think uh, we're gonna need another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be shooting Galactus without visual effects. Uh, what? You know they really built that Galactus. <laughs> they really ate. They really ate that planet. <laughs> built it and ate it. It was amazing. But hey, yeah, they, we've never rendered, rendered this before. So I, I had the scientists go find Galactus <laughs> in the galaxy, and uh, they sure did it. And we sent a probe out, and we got the. <laughs> what can I My say? Producer- 
My producer kept telling me, don't you want to just put Richard Jenkins in a costume? And I said, no, we got to do this for real. (laughs) God, don't tease me with Richard Jenkins being in a Nolan movie. You're you're underestimating the intelligence of the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Syncope is synonymous with world destruction. Look, I'm just saying, Kevin, Kevin, I know you're listening. Richard Jenkins is Galactus. Why not? Yeah, Yeah, or like Ron Perlman or whatever. But... (laughs) (laughs) Salma Hayek? Oh, wait, she was already in one of those. (laughs) She had had a funny hat on in them. (laughs) (laughs) There. That's the measure. I think, think, you know, I think... Take that, years of comic book art. I just just kneecapped you i think it's clear what we need to do we we need we need to give jessica alba redemption i think don't that would be so great she shows oh man yeah i'd like that and she it would also be fun uh this is just going totally off tangent it would be fun if it was wyatt russell i think i would also accept that cute i think i think we should just have and then you know next time we have to cast another cosmic Kennedy, just recast one of them yeah, uh, which is funny because he'd be like, is that U.S. agent? No, 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 it's Galactus. Yeah, it's fine. But, no, I'm into it. How did we feel about uh, Johnny switching powers with, with everyone? I never got that. Because Silver, another... Surf, Silver Surfer didn't rogue with everybody, so I never really got that. Yeah, that's another entire i guess plot line that's happening in in this and i'm sure that's been done in the comics at some point it, it doesn't sure. re, you know come to mind immediately um but it's another it's another angle of of something that's it, it's sort of tied in with how this oversurf is stopping them but it's time that it's more time that you're spending on the fantastic four kind of messing around and not really understanding what or how to fix the solution to get back on track and and stop galactus or whatever um which means it's time that we're not spending with this over surfer and the galactus storyline and figuring out how we're gonna convince them that earth is good and humanity is good and make sure that that feels earned when it happens uh instead we just have a lot of bickering in between them so yeah it's the same same problem it's more stuff where i mean the the entire movie it's weird how ultimately cohesive if very superficial the story is uh because it does feel as if they are just trying to get to 90 minutes i i yeah, think yeah. in a lot of ways it's all right what do we have what, what's the next idea okay throw that out there um when the entire story if you just put it on paper you'd be like oh this thing has to be a two-hour movie There's a bunch of stuff happening here you, you've got to you know build all this out it's like no we're just we're just kind of uh, doing exactly the action that's on the page and carrying on. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to fill anything in. It's really strange. Mark Frost is still a writer on this, and the other <laughs> writer from the last movie is not. Like, he's still just, <laughs> just part of it. I don't. It does not <laughs> really make sense to me. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. I I feel like the them switching power... Oh, I'm sorry. Ah. Huh them switching powers is like the effects aren't bad in it and mm-hmm. i feel like if it if the rest of the movie were tighter and this was just some fun they were having i could be like oh what a lark or if it was more relevant to the overall thread of the movie 
I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. But instead it's just like, oh yeah, and that's part of it? Yeah, this is the the obstacles for the characters for an act. Yeah, uh, it's strange. By the end, Chris Evans does use all their powers, and he does, I think it's supposed to be kind of a, a super scroll nod where he's got, he's on fire, but he's got the thing's fist, and he's flying, and using Invisible Woman's powers and stretching. So that's that's yeah. fun. That's yeah, that was good. Uh, it looks it looks fine. It's it's just really annoying because that fight lasts thirty seconds. Yes, and I felt that through a lot of the action scenes. The big action set piece is is Johnny chasing the Silver Surfer, um, which for those who remember the marketing for this movie, that was the big teaser trailer for the film was just that action sequence, um, which. If you're just watching that in a bubble, you're going, wow, this this actually looks really, really cool. I'm excited to see what this movie is. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm game. Silver Surfer looks like Silver Surfer. It's an exciting action mm-hmm. scene. Like, let's do it. Um, but that's the highlight of the film, at least for me, in terms of action. All the other set pieces are big letdowns. They're either ill-conceived or too short. Yeah. Or I both. mean, one of them does result in a shockingly gory, uh, we'll call sectioning of Andre yeah. Brower. <laughs> I wouldn't even call that an action set piece, though. That's just a moment. <laughs> just a, a, a spout of carnage. Yeah, yeah, Doom just turns him into a pile of yeah. rocks that's still partially intact as a human form. It's disturbing. It's kind of splats against the wall like he's in Annihilation. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it is interesting how both of the Tim Story films have, like, it's mostly just very family-friendly fare, and then you've got one big, oh my god, did they just kill someone that way? Kind of scene. Because you got the one in the last film, uh, the business guy in the parking garage who gets a hole oh, blown yeah, through yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and that feels like something straight out of the uh, Sam Raimi. Like, that feels like something that would be in one of the Spider-Man movies. Um and then this one, yeah, that, that scene happens. You're like, I thought this was PG. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found that scene annoying just because the military guys are all incompetent fools. And doesn't Victor have some like really baseline like bit of dialogue where he's like, you know, General, sometimes Reed's right. And then he just electrocutes them. Yeah, and sure. like, oh, that's that's. All right, that's the best you had. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, I guess the fantastic car sequence was okay. All yeah, things they, considered, they do the fantastic car. It's kind of neat. It's got all the Dodge branding on it, which I found confusing. Yeah, it's just like I guess did did Dodge send Reed all the parts to build the the thing? Did he order them in bulk? Is that is that why? <laughs> Like, it's weird. I'm only focused on this because it was the first time that I noticed it on this viewing, that it has, like, all the Dodge branding on it. And it seems like something that Reed would just kind of build by himself. I don't know. But it splits up into multiple pieces, and everyone's flying around. And I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of fun. Well, it's a subtle nod to how they dodged the IRS <laughs> and all the copyright infringement. <laughs> 
<laughs> or how Fox dodged losing the Fantastic Four rights, yeah. <laughs> making each of these stinkers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, I, I, for the longest time, I had it in my mind that this was better than the first one. And not that the first one's amazing, but it is very yeah. baseline competent. Yes. And I feel like this one... In places is baseline competent, but I feel like this story, it's just nothing's there. Yeah. Absolutely nothing's there. And yeah. I and and last week I was I was so focused on get past the origin, just have a fun, fantastic four adventure film. And theoretically, that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's an end of the world Galactus movie. And you don't do that in 90 minutes. That's just <clears throat> that that ain't gonna work. What um, uh, it is interesting to me that I, th- this franchise has been each one has been a step down, and I feel like we're about to to sprain our ankles stepping down to the next one. <laughs> yeah, and or break them, and or break them. Tyler, did you keep track of how many times they say Fantastic Four in this movie? Did you uh, do your? I did your, not. I don't know if they do say it. I don't. Um, I, they they say it on the TV, I think, and stuff. Okay. Which there is a good bit uh, that that we noticed as we were watching where early on there's a news guy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, Fo- it's supposed to be Fox. I guess that tracks that they would be able to use Fox as a branding. Um, who's just like, yeah, we think uh, this is maybe something to do with God. Yeah, like I don't it's know. An act like of God. Something horrible is happening to the earth. And then later, uh, is it Andre Brower? Is that yeah. his name? Am I saying that right? Uh, I never know if I have consonants and vowels and spelling correct. We're talking about <laughs> letters, letters. Um, <clears throat> he's like, "Yeah, we, we're trying to keep it hush hush so the, the the public doesn't panic." And I'm like, "I think, I think we've missed the boat." <laughs> well, also at the same it's time, we're thing. not seeing the public panic, right? It, th- there's... Like that London scene. There's just tourists hanging out in London. Yes, like, but they say the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Save Ferris <laughs> wheel. Um I I Don't have you mean Melvin wheel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have updated my uh my rankings. Uh I'm introducing Galactus yeah. and Silver Surfer as as extra characters in this and then re-ranking the four Fantastic Four members as well as Doom. Um, I'm dropping Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm to five out of ten from six out of ten for the previous movie. Both of them. Uh, I'm moving the thing up to a ten. Okay. Lock it in. Do it again. Run it back. <laughs> he has less uh, screen time, but he's great. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna stick with eight out of ten for Human Torch. I'm gonna leave that as is. I think it's probably about the same. Um, Doom. I'm dropping to one out of ten. I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> um. Silver Surfer, I'm actually going to go eight out of ten. I think, all things considered, this is this is pretty close to the mark. Was uh, it just the exposition abs? Was that it's was that just, the only thing? Holding it's him just back? the exposition abs that really raised him from like a six. I think. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's how we got there. We had no, a, I, well, yeah. You're like six, six pack. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the really what it's missing is anything that kind of adds nuance to him having more interactions that allow him to understand humanity and sort of develop a, a, a decision that he's going to resist Galactus. Like that needs to be there and it's not. 
Um, it's very <laughs> Tyler, I don't think you understand. But, His name isn't actually the Silver Surfer. It's Norrin Rad. That's true. And that I think equals character they, arc. They say Norrin Rad. I think they say Zinla or whatever. Nope. Oh, what are they? Did they not? I think they just say he he had someone that he loved. I don't. They don't say any other names. I swear on the exposition apps. Maybe I was just too distracted by his his exposition apps. I swear (laughs) they said something about it. But they call him Doran Rad, right? Yes. Okay. Well, something. I don't know. I can be talked into uh, into a seven out of ten for him, but I'll I'll be generous and say you know. All things considered, you got it pretty pretty well on the mark from a at least superficial. This is a character that people, when they eventually get to him in the MCU, people, you know, everyone who, the millions uh, who came out in droves to watch Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer will be like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, so, fair enough. Um, Galactus, uh, I mean, like, the movie names him Galactus. Which is honestly more than I like. That's higher than my expectations. I think were I did not remember for sure if we did that. They um, refer to him several times as the Destroyer. They do mostly default to the Destroyer, but they use Galactus yeah. specifically in the exposition I've seen. They use Galactus, and you know they show all right. Big Planet Eater is destroying things. They get the general relationship between Silver Surfer and Galactus. I think I'll probably go two out of ten. I'll give him a little bit of credit. I think it's actually not quite as bad. It's not the way you were building that up. I was expecting like a four or five out of ten. Well, I was kind of more between like one, two, and three. So <laughs> I, I, I can't really. I think I can't go any higher than that. Um, which does? Oh, I have to do. I have to do math. <laughs> no. I think that lands well below the other two. Uh, in turn, yeah, that's like a five point six is where I've dropped us to. I think if I uh if I move Galactus up, I would have to move Silver Surfer down. There's a little balance there between the two of them. I'm giving them in a ten out of twenty. That's that's we'll say that. Okay. So yeah, I'm saying five point six dropping from pretty consistently dropping. Starting with the the Roger Corman one, I said six out of six on average or six point six on average. 6.2 on the last one. Now we're at 5.6. I don't really want to think about the next movie. Um, Can't wait for that. Solid my... 3 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe I'll watch it and be like, oh, they got one character. Fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have great hopes, but we'll see. I can't wait for Doctor Doom to be a 1 out of 10 two weeks in a row. Uh... Well, I mean, I I could probably go to zero. So, <laughs> oh, oh, Tyler, <laughs> I don't know, man. How how did we feel about uh, Reed Richards and comedy? Just, uh, you know, <laughs> I he is it's Ewan Griffith is not the problem. It's no. They do a bit where he like gets all smushed, and then we see him from his profile kind of flipping back into place, and the last thing to pop out is his nose, and it's weird. <laughs> that was the part that I was uncomfortable with. <laughs> he also gets smashed into a wall, and he's like, Wah. "It was 
yeah, I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah I was and, I was like, you know, this is really pushing boundaries and making me uncomfortable, but that's that's film. That's you know, art is supposed to challenge you. It, yeah. I think <laughs> you know, yeah, I'd I'd like to I think really, you know, if they took a body horror horror angle with Fantastic <laughs> Four, I think that'd really yeah. get us where we need to be. Ari Aster's I'm Fantastic sure Four. That'll go well. I'm not talking about any movies uh subtextually here. Um <laughs> We're gonna have a good time next week. Don't don't, don't you about. don't you worry about it. Um you may not have a good time, but we will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is also a bit when when he gets squished where there's a big explosion and the thing goes flying backwards into Mr. Fantastic and then thing comes out of the wall dent that he's made and Mr. Fantastic sort of peels out. Um, and that's a very, it, it, it is another, okay. If that was just a bit, you just kind of ran through it really quickly and moved on. That'd be one thing, but it, they, they take about 30 seconds for the joke and the punchline to develop right. and, and for him to come out and then reform. And there's not really a, a, a piece on the end of it. It just, Cuts, and they move on to the next scene. It's weird. Well, it's also strange that when Mr. Fantastic, like, reforms, um, he's not, like, dirty, or he doesn't have, like... Yeah, I'm not. Like, rock or <laughs> dust or anything on... No, but it's just, like, it looks like he's kind of messed up when he's in the wall. And then when he gets out, it's just, oh... Reed Richards is just standing there perfectly, like, in, in his perfect... Uh, hollywood designed suit like no damage or anything like it's just i don't know it was weird you gotta set your expectations somewhere <laughs> that's 2007 the is apparently the answer yeah I, yeah dirt didn't exist yet it's fine yeah that was why everyone liked there will be blood so much it's they're like what is all that weird stuff on <laughs> daniel day lewis yeah that was before uh ilm cracked how to do dirt. yeah uh, it's kind of revolutionized. That that the was when Hayden Christensen said the "I hate sand; it gets everywhere." That was George Lucas working out his frustrations with the technology of the time. Yes. Isn't it? Sense. I think it is actually George Lucas working out his frustration with sand. Yeah, exactly. He's so. like, ah. Every time I go <laughs> to the beach, it's like, like what in the world? What are these <laughs> tiny rocks? <laughs> What's that? What's that huge light in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> My niece and nephew keep trying to cover me with these tiny rocks. You I know, just George want Luke, to read my book. It, it George Lucas probably had like a it full on. <laughs> and what? What is this strange thing I keep inhaling and exhaling? <laughs> <laughs> Sure, he's a very smart man. I'm sorry, George. <laughs> we know you know what sand in the sun. <laughs> you know, George... probably air. Oh Lord! Ah, the God Flame is angry. <laughs> you know, he went to Spider-Man Three and had a full-on mental breakdown during the Sandman scene where he's reforming <laughs> himself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Revenge of the Sith is 2005. Yeah. This is a very, very anti-sand era, I suppose. Making sand the bad guy? 
I don't know. Well, and this was I'm trying to think of other sand stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus maybe had come out, and that's two examples. Sand in it. The inner there Sandman is a Spider-Man Three video game. Yeah. Uh. Rise of the Guardians hadn't come out, so they, that was when they were trying to rebrand Sand as yeah, like yeah, being dispensed yeah. by a cute little cherub. When was uh, Santa Claus, whichever one introduced <laughs> the Sandman, was that the third one? It was the second one. What, Alex, when was, was the second one? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, I guess I'll look it up on the internet. The Tyler, I, can, I can't wait. Tyler, I can't wait for your essay, uh, the anti-sand movement in oh, it's 2002. cinema. It's 2002. They had already had the like the the PR campaign. Going. So that well, so that's like before sand kind of got a bad rap. That sure. Well, that's no, that is the same year as the the anti-sand monologue in Attack. Oh, of the oh, right. it was competing. Yeah. You were you were sitting on that this whole time and weren't even yeah. weren't even pointing out the flaw in our logic here. You know, wow. sometimes I just gotta let you go. You gotta give us some runway to <laughs> crash our own plane. Um, Alex I'm giving this like, movie. Mama birds, let the babies fly. Don't don't <laughs> save them, Alex. I give Fantastic Four: The Rise of the Silver Surfer a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> and Bingo was just bingo. sliding on by. Hey, Speaking same in. for me. What the heck? Yeah. I thought about D, and then as I said it, I was like, you know what? No. Don't make me be nice to this movie. Be nice to the movie. It's fine. I won't judge you too harshly. I'm going to give it a D plus. That's fine. I thought about D. I really did. I don't have the patience to give it a D. It's, I mean, this might be one of the most nothing movies that we've had to do for the podcast. Like, there is, like, next to nothing in terms of just stuff to to like even make fun of like, like there's some stupid stuff in it but it's just i don't know it's so superficial and it's so bare bones and i don't know what i do wonder sometimes if like when we watch the movies together do i just not absorb them as much because we're chatting and hanging out but there's just not that much to miss in this i thing, think I this think. i was just thinking this is a movie that i think if we had all watched it individually probably would have registered less with us we sure, were all yeah. sort of accountability buddies for watching the I actual think you're right, film actually yeah uh so it was it was useful on this one i would agree um well speaking of uh absorbing things i actually watched a few movies this week but none of them really landed with me enough to uh want to recommend them take not that. even uh fantastic four rise of the silver surfer no not even Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, sorry, Richard Rush's The Stuntman sure. from 1980. Um, that's fine. But I I guess I'll do like a TV roundup. Um, we're probably going to talk about this in a minute, but I will say I watched the, the premiere episode of The Last of Us. It's super good. Liked it a lot. Um, there were several points where I was like, this is a lot like the game. And that speaks really well for how good the game is. But not in the, like, the show doesn't, it doesn't feel like the show's copying it. Like, it is a good piece of television. It is well-made television yeah. that, that just kind of enforces how well done the video game is. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of it. Pedro Pascal's great. Um, I like him and stuff. Bella Ramsey's great. I like them and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I look forward to seeing the whole bit. Yeah, I'm putting that in my 
will probably recommend, but would like to see the whole thing and feel good about it. Yeah, like it. I, I don't want to overpraise it, but like I did feel really good after I yeah. watched it in terms of Very like yeah. Um, I also finally started season three of For All Mankind, which I may have mentioned on the podcast. I think is one of the best TV shows out there, at least that I've seen. Um, still great. That show does a really nice job of investing in human drama and then continues to surprise me with just how tense it can get. Um, the alt history stuff is really interesting. They'll range from really well thought out decisions about like, well, who would in this world who would have become president in this year and how would that affect this treaty and this event and these hearing Congress hearings are about different things. And also to more, not lighthearted, but different, just kind of world building stuff like Kurt Cobain's still alive, moving on. Um, and uh, it, it is really just a terrific show with a lot of great performances. Chris Marshall and uh, Sonia Walger continue to hold that show down for me. Everybody on it's great though. Um, and it really is some of the best music I've ever heard on TV. It is. I've there, There's a sequence in one of the episodes I've se- watched this season that is extremely tense and the music in it is so good, but it's not like what you would think when you think of like tension music, like the instrumentation and the arrangement is very different, but it's really effective. Um, I just, I just really love that show. But the thing I'm really going to nail down on is I, I finished Andor, um, like Tyler did before me. And it's just really, really special. (laughs) Um, I, I think just in terms of craft, just in terms of the making of something, I think it's the most well-made Star Wars thing. Um, forgetting anything about lore or nostalgia or, or affection or anything, just mechanically, I think it's the best made Star Wars thing. Um, I think it is. I would hear the argument. Yeah, I think. I, I the think, case can be made. Yeah, I I think it is just. It's very bold, not only in it, I, and I I don't want to just praise it in terms of how it doesn't do the stuff that the three of us particularly don't like about new Star Wars. I want to praise it for what it specifically does, because it is so bold in how it depicts things that. Are, you can attach real-world real allegories to, but you don't have to. Um, it is so... These guys have heard me harp about this, but the dialogue and the monologues on that show are so beautifully written in that they are communicating ideas that are nuanced and dimensional, certainly new for Star Wars, but in a way that I haven't heard in a lot of media in general. Yeah. Just the way that that show perceives the concept of freedom or authority is so unique. And then the way it... The, the sentences are beautiful sentences and then they're performed with such soulfulness and specificity. Like every actor is really good on it. Stone Skarsgård really stuck out to me, but like Genevieve O'Reilly and Denise Goff and Kyle Soller and obviously Diego Luna, Fiona Shaw. Yeah. It's just like all down the line. Everyone's great. Um, but you just, like if you just like go into YouTube and type, and or monologue it'll bring up like three or four like <laughs> did you want this one this one this one this one and they're all great and it's just really neat to see something take on these kinds of ideas to have an understanding of like what does an uprising actually feel like and look like and how does that play out in different ways what does imp- empirical i get empire <laughs> oppression look like and feel like um it's built with sets and looks great. The effects are really good. 
when it decides to lean on action, the action is staged really cleverly and with a lot of tension. Um, I, it's just really good. And I, I really think if you're not caught up, if you're not super informed on star Wars, I think you could still jump in and appreciate it. Even though it is a prequel, it doesn't it doesn't like spend the entire time winking at your prior knowledge or demanding it. It's just like, this is what we're doing. You need to know these people and this, and these planets. And this is where we're going. Yeah. I think dimensionality, you you said that is a good word for it because it it really lives in a space that I think until this point has really been totally left to like, here's a throwaway, throwaway line about, you know, it's kind of what Rogue One does where sure. Rogue One, it's like, hey, what actually was the deal with getting the Death Star plans? How difficult was that? What all were the trials and the challenges that were required to get those plans? Um, it it lives entirely in that space and adds so many layers to that universe in such a way that now I want more of that yeah. idea and angle and concept. Uh, and unfortunately, the show is still a couple years away from a season two, but I hope... It is continuing, and I I kind of have no doubts that it's going to continue to be as as good as that uh, that first season. And I also hope that they will continue to do things like this yeah. with Star Wars moving forward because it is the most excited I've been about a Star Wars thing since Last Jedi, sure. which the discourse around Last Jedi, uh, especially going into what they did with Rise of Skywalker, I think is really what broke me on Star Wars entirely. So like. It totally, I mean, it's totally got me invested if if they continue to do stuff like this. It yeah. is very good. And I think, Alex, you had talked about how it's really, it, I, I am totally fine with that, those first three movies, like the original trilogy, being more of like a fantasy fairy tale, kind of like, ah, the good guys versus the bad guys. High adventure. I'm totally down with that. I have zero issue with that approach. And I think those movies do a fun job of it, and I like them. But to see this as like an alternate option of like going deeper into that relationship and the 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 start of that relationship between these two forces and um exploring the mechanics of it and the like the literal and figurative machinery of it and also the the human for one of a phrase cost of it uh, what it does to their psyches what it does to their lives and their loved ones like how all that ripples out around them is really welcome because it just to 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 borrow an Alex sentence, it's like they thought about it when they wrote the TV show, <laughs> and it just it feels so focused on and and attended to, um, in a way that I I haven't felt like a, the stubborn sorry, and I, I I have enjoyed plenty of the Mandalorian and stuff, which I think fits more into the like let's go on an adventure space western stuff, and and this is a much more like. What if what if most of this is talking? <laughs> but it's beautiful. I I am a, a big big fan. So what do y'all have to recommend? I also finished Andor, <laughs> and I hated it. <laughs> Bring back Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> um, well, my my comparison was going to be if if Obi if the Obi Wan Kenobi show had even a quarter of the thought and care that this show had, I would love that show. Sure. Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> this is the I I genuinely think I I agree, Britain. This is kind of the best put together piece of Star Wars media that's maybe ever been produced. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm kind of upset that this is stuck in prequel backstory territory, which I, I don't, I'm not trying to demean the show by saying that, like it works very well on its own, but I kind of wish that this was like the start somehow of like what they were trying to do with the sequels. Yeah. And like they should have given the Gilroy brothers star Wars back in like 2013 or whatever. (laughs) Cause maybe we would have been saved a whole lot of heartache. Yeah. (laughs) But we wouldn't have gotten nightcrawler. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pros and cons. He would have called um, it Sandcrawler, which is also a right. Thing. Right. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal plays a Jawa. Pretty good. Pretty good. He would. Um, um, but yeah, Andor. It, it was absolutely wonderful, and um, I don't know. It 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 basically addressed like every single criticism that I've had for Star Wars over the past decade. Um, it addressed all of them. In a single show. That shouldn't be possible. Everyone knows I love Star Wars and hate Star Wars at the same time. Like, this this shouldn't be this easy to fix. Well, I feel like there's... uh, So, a friend of mine who used... Actually, a friend of the podcast, Catherine, who who asked us to do Mighty Ducks. uh, She's talked about there's this theory and, and therapy and care and everything about waiting for the miracle. And how that's not a healthy approach to things. Because there's not an overnight moment where you're like, and I'm better. Like, that's not how a lot of that goes. But it does kind of feel like that happened with Andor. <laughs> like, we were all just kind of sitting around like, yeah, all right, Boba Fett, creepy AI stuff. I get, oh, you just appeared out of nowhere, fully formed. It, it's just beautiful. It's, it's absolutely incredible that the thing that people were least excited about ended up being the best thing. I can't get over that because i remember years ago yeah. when an andor show was announced everyone yeah. it universally like... went why yeah it, <laughs> yeah it sounded like the most throwaway and that's kind of the amazing thing is that it was announced amidst all the other stuff mm-hmm. that ended up being really silly yeah and then it became the thing and i feel like this well, happens a lot in media where the thing you don't expect is what happens sure. but still like it really is surprising that like this is the thing that is getting award nominations and critically raved about and that people are going, it's really good, but like actually it's genuine. It's like a real TV show. And it it came out not only amidst a bunch of other things that were more chaotic and weird and silly. It also came out a bunch of a bunch amidst a bunch of other things that did not get made. (laughs) They they were announcing all sorts of things and somehow this was given the green light and the budget to go do its thing. Yeah. And it came out great. Uh, you know, I, I, so Alex, did you have another thing to recommend or was that? No, that was it. Okay. Um, no, that and, or I, can I make this year my, my recommendation for the whole year? Is and yeah. or. Like, I don't, I don't feel <laughs> took, like I need anything else took at this point. Three weeks. Uh, and you're already, you're already set. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, your friend Mario is going to be a little upset. Yeah, that's true. That, it's kind of like how... Last year, once once I had, like, obviously No Time to Die had come out, and the Batman came out, I was like, I think I'm good for the year, guys. I, you know, <laughs> Alex, maybe. Bo- Bo that's why a- I was so lenient on the really bad movies last that's year. Was like, was. I was like, I already filled up my bar of happy. <laughs> well, Alex, Bo is afraid you won't appreciate his cool yes. movie. <laughs> because you're all excited about Andor. Well, you know. 
<laughs> you wouldn't. I can't wait to watch. I, I can't wait to watch that movie and go. Wow, this is incredible! But how about that Andor? <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say, talking about the um, the whether it is the best made Star Wars thing. I have been watching. Uh, I've started. Oh uh, no, you've been watching Obi Wan Kenobi. I have been watching Obi Wan. I think it's probably about the same level of quality. No, I, have, oh, I have been watching. No. Uh, is it called just Light and Magic or oh the the ILM documentary that's on Disney Plus? Um, I did start that, and that is very good. Uh, and you know, starts to get into some of the original, which is the thing is the original. You know, Star Wars obviously was a massive kind of quantum leap if that's even a phrase or if i just stole that from the show uh <laughs> ahead of anything that was there at the time yeah in terms of effects uh and in terms of what could be done in a movie so it's hard to you know point at that and be like well why doesn't it look as good as andor 50 years later um but i think uh considering that things now can look a lot better than things then i i think production value and everything i i do agree i think nothing star wars has been done this well when you're not accounting for what was possible at the time if you're just looking at objectively all of humanity who <laughs> what what was the yeah. best star wars like I, I think it might be this um yeah well, especially, but and I like Mandalorian looks great too. But when you consider just how physical Andor is, I think that's kind of yes. for me and just the things that I like to see. I think that just yeah. kind of. Um, I do like the idea of us going to see Barbie, and the whole time Alex <laughs> is like, Barbie's uh, desperation for power is, or her her power. Barbie's need for control is so desperate because it's unnatural. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from Andor. Pretty good. Um, Can't wait for that. Cannot wait for that movie. It's gonna be so good. It probably is. Uh, She starts accusing Ken of having a gambling problem. (laughs) Alex, Alex, this movie has a Cantabite. The show has a Cantabite reference. It's awesome. I know. They just say it, and and like it made sense, and I wasn't bashing my head against the wall because oh hey reference. Yeah, Yeah, you're like no, yeah, that's where that would happen. It's great. Um, it's like they thought about it (laughs) when they wrote it. I, uh, as far as my recommendation, um, I did finish Illuminations. I think I mentioned that last week, the Alan Moore short story collection with a big novella stuck in the middle of it. Um, and I don't know that I can recommend it wholesale. Uh, I enjoyed it and I'm glad I read it. It is very Alan Moore. (laughs) They, it just, it, it goes a lot of different places. All the stories are totally different directions. Um, definitely, you know, Alan Moore is super gifted and reading this will make you realize how gifted he is and how creative he is. Um, <clears throat> but there are a lot of themes that come back to like cynicism and sort of uh, general bleak atmospheres and uh people being exploited sexually and a lot of things that you have seen in Alan Moore stuff before. Um, and it, it does have the giant novella. What can we know about Thunderman, which is a history of kind of the comics industry with a bunch of names stripped out and replaced with different names. And a few new characters introduced or like amalgations of 
of different comic book creators from throughout the history of comics, um, which I, I almost feel like, I think I was talking to y'all about this. It, it sort of has an under the silver lake tint to it where it kind of, it steers towards what if all these crazy rumors from the comic book industry are true and kind of uses that to illustrate the overall systematic problems that the, the industry does have, regardless of whether all of these things actually happen, because some of them clearly did not happen. Uh, but there's a lot of working in of, of comic book lore kind of from the, the dark uh, backstory of, of the creators and, you know, how people would do drugs and mafia ties and like getting and all that stuff. So um, it's very interesting. Uh, again, it, it follows along those same themes of it is a hard thing to just be like, yeah, go read this. You'll enjoy it. I, I don't know that I can promise that, but if what I've said there sounds interesting, I would, I would recommend checking it out. If, especially if you know you feel like you have a pretty good grasp for what Moore's writing is like. Um, but my, uh, my my stone cold lock recommendation uh this week is actually a movie called leave no trace that i don't know britain you might have recommended at maybe some point back in the day i know we've we mentioned it before um but i it's just one that i've been sitting around on the watch queue for a while and i was like you know what it's time i think it's on netflix right now uh it is basically ben foster and thomas and mckenzie uh kind of exploring what it's like to try to be intentionally homeless and off the grid uh and how this is it, it went in different directions than i expected it really does deal with sort of the bureaucracy around that and the the ways in which you can't really be free of the government mm. in living situations like that and it, it starts with them being in a public park that they are legally not allowed to be living in um but it expands and does a ton of things with that and and ultimately is about sort of trying to stubbornly stick to your way of living when the world is changing and that's not possible anymore um and i think explores that really effectively fantastic performances from both of them um really smart i think i had mentioned a while back that i was not super into winter's bone which i believe was deborah granick's Granick, yeah. other other uh or debut film um this i i found a lot more compelling for me personally and i just like sure. i i thought it was brilliantly done and that is something i would say uh go out and watch if you haven't i know it's you know it's it's a pretty acclaimed movie and um i don't know if it got any awards or anything or anything not like, like that. major ones now okay um, yeah. But I know it got buzz, at least. And so, like, a lot of people have probably heard of it. But if you haven't, and it sounds interesting, please go check it out. Yeah, I, I, I definitely second that um, one. It's, it's, it's a movie that I think to read the description of it, you would might you might fear that it's going to be a little too gritty or too sad yeah. or something. It's a lot easier to watch than I thought. Yes. Like, there are, and there are scenes in that movie that should be harder to watch than they are, which I mean, a lesser movie, I think, would be more exploitative in those scenes. And yes. uh, I, it, th- yeah, it it is definitely there are parts that are upsetting. It's not. I think the movie takes an interesting angle that I wasn't expecting because it's not these people who totally are stripped of agency and, and are being forced right. through a system. It is making people making choices 
um, because of kind of where they've been and being unable to adapt from those choices. And when they run into these systems, then the systems do not agree with what they're trying to do. Like it, it becomes, yeah. it's the characters have more of a say in what they're doing than I had expected. And so I think that that helps it not feel as like grim. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's very, too and it makes it yeah. a little more interesting. I mean, it's almost, I think that it's definitely got Nomadland sure. precursor vibes, uh, similar idea where it's like, Nomadland is really interesting because the characters are making choices while also dealing with like a generally upsetting world and life. And so, yeah, same idea. And it's a movie that I feel like the prevailing theme of that movie is just human kindness and empathy. Yeah. Where there are people in that movie who are genuinely trying to help them and trying to to yes. approach them with with empathy and, and genuine care. Um, but then just as a movie, it's just done really well. And yeah, Ben Foster is frequently one of the best things about whatever he's in. <laughs> he's, he's that talented. So it's really good to see him get a lead role with a lot of material. And he's phenomenal in it. And this was the movie that made me go, oh, Thomas and McKenzie's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to see her anytime she's in something. And she they are both so, so good in it. Um, ah, yeah, that's a good recommendation. And it wasn't Obi Wan. It wasn't Obi Wan. If you want more recommendations, <laughs> which is also a Obi-Wan. movie about a bearded man <laughs> just trying to take a nap. <laughs> it's not a movie; it's a show. But... You know, but all the best movies are on TV. What can I say? Yeah. Um, like I don't know. I was trying to think of a made-for-TV movie, but I don't. I don't have any Hallmark Christmas romances <laughs> off the top of my head. So, <laughs> a um, grandpa for Christmas. <laughs> that's a real one. Probably. Uh, if you want to find more recommendations that aren't those things, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at hctsequels. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and generally any podcast app. Uh, that you so desire please give us good reviews and things on there we would like to you know do more stuff and make patreon content content about the uh the hallmark movies that <laughs> britain is currently reacting to on his computer um as he looks them up we we would love to do weird fun things but right now i don't think uh that would be in the cards so we want to fund, fund my uh, fund my my documentary that I want to make called "Whatever Happened to Melvin Do." Yeah, look, you know, like uh, I have a dream. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna swerve through a through a deep cut, and it's probably not gonna work very well as a metaphor. But you know the SpongeBob episode where uh, I think maybe Mr. Krabs leaves the Krusty Krab in charge <laughs> of SpongeBob, and they're trying to do fine dining, or no, Squidward's trying to to make the crusty crab into a fine dining establishment to impress uh his rival squillion that's that's right that's it, uh that's it. the and and sort of everything just goes off the rails like i think spongebob creates a goo monster out of crabby patty meat and i don't know mr crabs like pours things in his eyes or something it, everyone just like totally loses their minds uh that's that's really what you could enable the here yeah. come the sequels here come the sequels experience to be if you make us uh you know grow as as a as a content and a brand 
we could really just all go take our weird pet projects and throw them out there and then you'd be like why did i and why did i encourage this um but it'll <laughs> be you'll fun give us in the process yeah like it, it, you know you'll you'll want to see these these three weirdo weirdos just become increasingly demented uh and yeah break our brains further as we review uh twilight minute by minute or whatever like Oh God! <laughs> if you if we if we can get somewhere if we can get an, an audience going we will we'll do all sorts of like weird patreon goals uh <laughs> we'll 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 set them up and i'll i'll just like put them on there without letting you guys know and then I'll be like oh we got 100 patrons all right i guess now it's time for us to uh go through our uh review of i don't know Maybe like we'll do maybe we'll do is it the what's the Netflix show? I mean there's there's a bunch we could choose from. Maybe like 13 reasons why. Oh god. With Dylan <laughs> like, Manette. With Dylan Manette. We'll do all of Dylan Manette stuff. <laughs> oh, I was thinking is the Oh, draw, we got a Percy Jackson in here accidentally. Yeah, the uh the the OA is that a Netflix thing? It is. Or, or okay. Yeah, I one of yeah. the one of those that's like a very like teen drama. Obviously we'll do Divergent like Tyler, I did throw out as a as a I don't even know if it was a joke anymore. Uh, before the podcast, if the upcoming Gotham Night show that will inevitably get five episodes and then be sure, canceled, probably not that. Um, but <laughs> uh, that's where you draw the line. These, these are what what the other show aside from Game of Thrones we would do would be, and I think it's Gotham Night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are the things that you could uh, you could sort of force us to do uh if you like and subscribe and give us five stars on things so do that speaking of five stars uh a grandpa for christmas does have oh, one what? rating on google and it is a, is at five stars uh 91 percent of right. users liked it this movie from 2007 uh is uh starring ernest borgnine who did play mermaid man on spongebob so <laughs> it's all coming together Bert O'Reilly, in the weirdest spelling I've ever seen, is a retired song and dance man who becomes an instant grandfather to the nine-year-old granddaughter he has never met. And one of the questions that they pose, you know, uh, people also ask and stuff, it says, and they because they didn't capitalize, the only word they capitalized here was Christmas. So it says, where can I stream a grandpa for Christmas? But that looks like they're trying to stream a literal <laughs> grandpa. You would, like how you people would get the f- download a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how people have the uh, the fireplaces that they stream if they don't have a fireplace of their own on YouTube. This is just like an old guy going, "Oh, so is that one of those ninja hero turtles?" No, it it it, it it's an electric tire pump for my car. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> one of those power guys. I got it. Is Batman in it? <laughs> <laughs> so we can watch this it is, on Roku. This is the right energy for Fan Four Stick, by the way. Like this is we've yeah, calibrated we'll kind this of properly. Swing yeah. this into the next episode for um, sure. Much like <laughs> Spider Man, uh, I've been Tyler. <laughs> I've been Britain. I've been Alex. Watch Andor, so you'll have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>